Welcome to the Gateworld podcast. This is episode number 85 of the Gateworld podcast. I'm Darren. I'm David. And this is the show where two nerds talk about Stargate. Today we're talking about the brand new episode of Stargate Universe Divided. It aired last Friday on Sci-Fi Channel in the United States and on Space Up in Canada. And it's our second new episode of SGU back for the spring. The main discussion. Our main discussion topic this week is Divided. Episode 12 of Stargate Universe aired last Friday on Sci-Fi Channel in the U.S., and this was originally going to be the mid-season premiere. This was part two of what was written to be the mid-season two-parter along with space. And as we've talked about before, uh, we ended up expanding the first half of the season. So Justice became the mid-season finale. And now we got the two-parter, Space and Divided, to kick us off for April. I can see kind of how Space and Divided could have been um, cliffhangers. Instead of Destiny jumping away at the end of Space, you know, Rush and Chloe get back and a couple of extra ships come in and keep on firing at us. I think that that could have been how they might have done it. Um, mm. And in that They do res- seem to hang together really well. They do. Uh, they hang together nicely. This is one that you know, has been coming for a while, where the people with guns start to have serious issues with the people without guns. And uh, it's it's a story that had to be told sooner or later. Yep, yep. I think there were definitely hints of it in the first half of the season. Um, Climaxing, obviously, with uh, Rush trying to frame Young and Young deciding to leave him behind on the planet. That was sort of the inciting incident that that made this sort of a coup necessary, Mm -hmm. necessary in terms of storytelling. But um, the aliens are back, which I did not expect like the next week. It's the big mid- exactly. mid-season premiere and there's aliens and there's space battles and and the producers are delivering and so I expected the next one to be sort of okay, it's going to be the coup episode. It's going to be all the internal, you know, political machinations, civilians versus military, but still there's this not outside done with threat. These yeah. spaceships are shooting at us. They are trying to get inside. A lot of questions are answered, you know, your big one from last week was how did the aliens get the stone? And my theory is verified in this episode that Rush had a stone. And oh. they took one. The alien took one. And um, then he was the the predominant personality attached to that to that stone. Because he had touched. Mm-hmm. He was like the closest one. See, we just don't know how stones work anymore. I think whoever uh, touches it last. Whoever touches it last. But is it our stones or can are, are you know, paired with stones back on earth or are they yeah. paired with each other because now this, this would be one of our stones paired with one of our stones that just happened to be the closest geographically is that the way it works that it's the closest geographically so that's why young connects to the alien instead of who he was expecting back on earth i think it is a proximity thing once you're outside of a certain amount of range um then you can use the stones to communicate but i'm just not sure if if uh rush really did have a stone you know there's this nice little confrontation where young says i've been thinking about this and you stole a stone that's the only way this happened and uh rush doesn't deny it rush doesn't deny it he doesn't confirm it either but he doesn't deny it and uh, i'm going to save this for a quibble because i'm not convinced that rush had a stone rush 
decides that there there must be a, a tracking device. This is how the aliens were able to find the ship. Was was there's something on the outside hull? So we send out a kino and we discover yes, indeed, there is one of those space pods, probably without anybody inside of it. But one of their one of their little ships is connected to the outside hull mm-hmm. of the desk. They're just waiting. They're sitting there, plugged in, and now it's gone. But they're still following us. Mm-hmm. This was a cool little scene though, with Young and Scott taking the the ship out. Nice little Sunday afternoon pleasure cruise to blow up this shuttlecraft. <laughs> I like the weapons fire and the explosion. I guess I'm yeah. just a geek. The explosions have really improved since some of the earlier Stargate shows. But while they're outside, of course, this is the perfect opportunity for Ray and Rush to hatch their little plan. And apparently, they've been talking with the civilians, and most everybody knew about it, knew that it was coming but didn't know when. That's what Chloe says later. Well, all these little backroom meetings that we've been seeing over the course of the last few episodes, you know, where where there's growing discontent from the civilian population, uh, finally come to something in this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And the military know that it's coming as well. There's a scene at the beginning where Greer takes Young aside and says, you know, whatever's coming, whatever happens, know that we've got your back and we're going to do whatever's... uh, necessary so oh, it seems like everybody stupid. everybody knows that this is eventually going to to come to something mm-hmm. yeah there are the, the sh- there are serious problems aboard that ship that need to be dealt with and they don't exactly get dealt with in this episode things no, kind of just don't. be put on hold you know for a future confrontation because the the people with the guns are in control and you know the people without the guns and without the training are kind of beholden to them yeah, and it raises some really interesting questions because, uh, I mean, I have my favorite characters, but you're not really sure who to root for, are you? Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I'd be interested to hear if, if some of our listeners really felt like the military was in the wrong here uh, and was sort of rooting for the civilians because I was rooting for Young and Scott and felt like Chloe was kind of uh, kind of stabbing her friends in the back. Hmm. Hey, guys, it's Scott and Houston. Uh, Space and Divide were great, great episodes. They had a nice balance of action, space, and drama that came from an honest place rather than the angst that was shut down our throats for the first nine episodes. The last three episodes are what I like to call the Colonel Young's Edition of the trilogy. That's something I've been wondering about for a while. We're supposed to love to hate Colonel Young. He's officially moved into the Senator Kinsey, Richard Woolsey file for me. You don't like him or his decisions, but you want to see what he does next. It also confirms something else for me. Colonel Young is a completely bankrupt leader now. Before, he just seemed like this cowardly leader who's more concerned about saving faith than anything else. But after Justice, I was like, wow, this dude has something going on. And it's a little bit disturbing at the same time, because if he doesn't get an epiphany real soon, he's well on his way to becoming a mini-Akiri. I hope that this last episode has put the kibosh in the shit drama for a little while, and that his teamwork and unity from here on out. But... I doubt it. Were you on the military side or the civilian side in terms of your uh, sympathies? I understand why the civilians were doing what they were doing. I'm I'm just disappointed that it had to come to that. Young basically says, you know, at the end of the episode, it's over. It's all over. Go back, go back to whatever you're doing. Go back to your quarters. And Greer says it's not over. And Greer's the one that's right. Yeah. At some point, this issue is going to have to be addressed. Um, the, I mean, what I would do is, is, is begin training the civilians 
to handle weapons and to handle firearms so that they feel like they're being more of a uh, more a part of the uh, a part of the team because you would have to do that then if if the ship gets invaded again everyone on board is an infantryman if yeah if that's true the, if if your life is going to be on the line uh by from an alien race or an external source civilian or military you are an infantryman and you have to be well, prepared to fight let's face it we as as a good a job as we did keeping the shields up and keeping the, the aliens at bay this week. Last week they got in, and they drilled a hole in the hole mm-hmm. and took one of our people and could have done a whole lot more. I mean, when, when the, they drilled that hole in space, I expected a bunch of aliens to come pouring into the corridor. Um, there's, there's the possibility of a full-scale invasion. Do you still feel that your wild and crazy theory is validated? That, uh, is, about uh, Rush? That, about Rush being complicit? With the aliens, well, I'm I'm doubting that he's complicit because he, he took out the tracking device. He took out that. Well, he didn't want to take out the tracking device. Now his plan was to not tell anybody about the tracking device. Ray didn't know. Young didn't know. Uh, he just wanted to keep the shields up long enough that the aliens would give up. Would recognize that even though Destiny is now populated by these humans that uh, its automated defense systems are still too much for them to overcome, that they're not going to be able to get inside. Um, So it seems like Rush was happy with them continuing to be able to track the ship. I doubt my theory a little bit, but then there's also this thing at the beginning with uh, the conversation between Rush and Chloe where they basically say, you know, I remember a lot. I don't remember everything that they did to us. Great opening scene. Great opening sequence. Yes. Her mom makes a cameo. Um, good music. I like that a lot, and um, that the shot with with her being dropped into the into the tank and pounding on the glass was just mm-hmm. I mean, just such a cool visceral. It's image. cool. At least did a good job with that. So the aliens are back, and uh, Rush confirms that they're advanced, but they're not as advanced as the ancients. They they basically they've been following Destiny along as it's hopping through FTL. They apparently found it. Um, Attached, maybe attach one of their ships to track it, but they've never been able to get inside, and that's they seem to have this obsession. And he, I think, he uses the word obsession, which is basically what we've all thought thought that Rush has with the Destiny is an obsession. So they want it. We don't know why. We don't know if it's because it's more advanced technology or what. But he's obsessed with it. The aliens are obsessed with it. I'm hoping that they've discovered a greater purpose to the Destiny that Rush also knows, or maybe will discover, that the audience doesn't know yet. It's it's um, a deeper purpose of the ship, rather than, well, this is a ship that goes hopping throughout uh, galaxies and, and making contact with, with Stargates and then continuing on again. You know, but what does it really do? So I think they're trying to figure it out. There, there's, there's more to their interest in the ship rather than an innate curiosity at least i'm hoping yeah and i do think that rush knows more than he's saying about the ship and its purpose and its mission and what it what it's for um i kind of think that he knew before they got there i kind of think that he had figured out something about the nine chevron address that he sort of knew that they were going to this alien ship this ancient ship i don't know i'm just theorizing i think it was a really interesting switch this week where at the beginning of the series, you had Chloe and Rush, you know, Chloe at Rush's throat. And now, you know, she says, Rush is the only one who saved me. 
Colonel Young was willing to blow up the ship, and, and Rush went out of his way to save her life. He didn't have to. He did it anyway. I wouldn't be surprised if something something deeper is going on here, manipulative-wise. But from, from where we're sitting, he went out of his way to save her life, and now she trusts him more than anyone else aboard the ship. Uh, because they have this shared experience, and because yeah. he went out of his way to save her life. Yeah, um, and Young came back from, from the alien ship and basically said, fire all guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's right. But that's a that's a fantastic turn after Air Part Two, where where she goes after him, basically for for the death of her father and tackles him. <laughs> now now she's yeah she's got this relationship with him. She's she trusts him. They have this shared experience. Um, when Young and Scott are going to the shuttle uh, near the beginning of the episode, Scott looks down the corridor and he sees Rush and Chloe having a conversation at the end of the corridor. That's just so it out of place. Him, yeah. Up till now, yeah. Yeah. And then you've got a great beat where Rush discovers that the clamps will not re-engage on the shuttle, and they're going to die if the ship enters FTL. You know, the ship is going to be, the, the shuttle is going to be vaporized. He's got to either allow Eli to have a connection again, a little bit of, a little bit of control of the computer to reattach the mm-hmm. clamps, or he's going to let these guys die. And if he lets them die, you know, like Ray says, you know, they're going to lose pretty much everybody to their cause. Yeah, all their all their support on the civilian side. Yeah. I was expecting him to go, you know, I don't really care. If they die, so what? So be it. But he doesn't, you know. I I I I don't think that he anticipated that they couldn't get get back aboard and yeah, they're he's... lose their lives. This is a good episode for Rush because it shows that he's not pure evil. I think is 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 what I'm thinking. The way that I'm looking at this and and when Chloe comes running into the room and, and explains the situation to him, he's, he's frustrated. He's flummoxed. And it's not just Machiavellian strategy to him. It's not just that he's going to lose civilian support for the coup. I mean, he, he had, doesn't want to kill these guys. Mm-mm. He didn't expect this to happen. Did you think that Chloe was trying to distract Eli from seeing the, the computer transfer? I didn't at first, but it made greater sense later on. Um, and after she had, uh, after, after an, a, enough of the transfer had gone through, I don't know, because she eventually shows him that it's there. So it, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. Yeah, she and later she could have continued to distract, distract him. Yeah. Eli confronts her about it when he goes onto the civilian side of the line and finds out that Chloe is actually working with them. And she deni- flatly denies it. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. The first time I watched the episode, I thought that she was... She was distracting him, and then she walks over to the computer and sees the transfer in progress, and there's, mm-hmm. there's like, beat. There's a moment where she stops and thinks about it and then points it out to Eli. I thought she was distracting him, but um, after she denies it and I watched it a second time, now I'm not so sure. Well, what it definitely does is complicates her relationship with Matt, which is yeah something that I, I've wanted to see since, you know, since Light, when they were... Um, you know, falling into each other's arms, thinking that they're about to die. I've criticized some of the relationship elements and, and, and how quickly they sort of decided that they were soulmates. This is the sort of complication that their relationship needs, that she chose the other side. She was on the other side of a civil war. I hope that that, that continues to play out and that they, they don't just fall back into sharing quarters next week. I don't suspect that they will. What do you think about the return of Dr. Brightman? That was cool. That wasn't that cool surprise. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, Carolyn Lamb. And then I realized, you know, this is this is a pretty brief cameo. So we got Brightman and that was just great. 
You know, Brightman, I always felt, was a character who uh, kind of got the cold shoulder. You know, she wasn't working out or whatever, and then we got... I mean, she came in for a couple, three episodes, and that was it. And now, Casual fans or, or fans who uh, just joined Stargate uh, with SGU don't know who this chick is, the, the surgery lady. Uh, the surgeon who was surgery brought in with lady. the communication stones. That's, <laughs> that's the technical U.S. military term is surgery lady, I think, is her rank. But, um, no, she was. She's a character from SG One. She had. She appeared in I think two episodes. Mm-hmm. Season in eight. Early season eight, and it was after the SGC's main doctor Janet Fraser been killed off. Um, they basically okay. Now we're doing a season eight. We need another doctor. So mm-hmm. they brought in Brightman, and she had a couple of episodes, and they didn't use her again. They brought in another doctor, and he did an episode. I think he was only an Avatar, and uh, didn't bring him back. And then eventually we got Carolyn Lamb as the ongoing. SGC replacement CMO. So yeah, it was it was cool to see her again. Yeah, I was um, really delighted to have a familiar face, even if it is just for three minutes. You know, this is uh, continuity is extremely important to me. And it's the nice, uh, not entirely unexpected beat, but uh, where we get you know up to our wrists in in Russia's guts, and then the <laughs> communication zone cut off, and it's Chloe again. But at least we found it, so we can pull it out. There's also a reuse of the uh, of the toxin or the the sedative from the alien creatures on the time planet. Did you catch that? Yeah, we used uh, the alien venom for the uh, anesthesia, anesthesia or the sedative for the for the surgery. Now we've just used the stones to connect to the alien mind. So my question now is, why do we think that next time we use the stone, that we're going to be able to go back to Earth and get a surgeon to come help us out? The last time we used the stones, last couple of times, it was connected to the alien. Yeah, that that's interesting. I was kind of hoping, I've been a critic of the, of the communication stones, I was kind of hoping that Young's experience with the alien basically is going to take the stones off the table for a long, relatively mm-hmm. long period of time, for a stretch of time. And I think that this use of the communication stones is terrific. It's not just going back and, and having a... a DTR conversation that's defined the relationship uh, with with uh, your significant other back on Earth, but it's <laughs> using the stone in, in an interesting sci-fi way to get this expert onto the ship. Hi guys, this is Thomas from Ontario, and I'm just calling about the SGU episode Divided. Personally, by the end of it, my jaw was on the floor. It was just action-packed in every way, shape, and form. Uh, the power grab, and it was also felt like an elements from Atlantis, like when they couldn't get the docking clamps on. It had it sort of felt like 38 minutes. And when they were removing the tracking device, it almost felt like runner. I think they used some old ideas, but then there was the power grab that Ray made. And I've never seen Stargate do anything like that. I didn't know they could do something like this. It was incredible. But what I'm glad they finally used the communication stones to bring an expert who actually knew what they were doing, like when they brought in that Dr. Doppler on Rush. Like, it's about bloody time they did that. Why do we think all of a sudden that we're not going to connect to an alien mind if, if Chloe goes and does this? Maybe they used another stone. Uh, maybe these two, the, the stone that he used to connect with the ship was stopped working after Rush killed the alien. Uh, so until someone else grabs that stone, uh, it doesn't revert back to Rush using it. Uh, until someone else, some one of the other aliens finds that stone and grabs it, you know, maybe those two stones that worked together uh, are kind of out of it, and someone else grabbed one of the other stones and, and used it to connect to Earth. They didn't really go into that. So maybe it's one specific stone that's paired to the alien one? For the time being, yeah. So we just know that this is the stone that the young used and will not will not use it anymore? Just in Perhaps. Case. 
perhaps maybe that'll be expounded upon in the future yeah or maybe because the alien like you i think you were saying maybe the because the alien died as long as another one of the aliens doesn't have physical contact with that stone then maybe exactly. it's basically uh, been taken out of out of the network more quibbling about stones in a moment as far as the coup with the the civilians goes uh i think it's really interesting also to point out that uh when young comes back at the end of justice and tells this fib about rush and the rock slide uh, everybody kind of gives him uh, dirty looks like they don't quite buy the story but uh, he's kind of gotten away with it, I think. Eli is really the only one who knows for sure uh, that that Rush was guilty of this, so Young has, has this motive. Um, so now Young comes back, and what's clear in Divided is that people kind of know. I mean, Ray yeah. has figured it out, basically. And maybe it's because she's in cahoots with Rush, and Rush just told her flat out. Yeah. But Ray knows and she says at the end of the episode, I love this exchange where she mm-hmm. says she should have left him behind on the planet. And and Young says... You think I don't know that? Beautiful exchange on both sides because Camille is... is um, I mean, I agree with her so much. You should mm-hmm. not have done that. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's absolutely right. And then on the other side, Young, who, you know, I wanted redemption for him. I wanted him to feel sorry for, for having done that. He, he does. He feels sorry for him. He says... You know, I know that I shouldn't do it. So the the whole coup is sort of based on the fact that that people say Young should never have left Rush behind on the planet. He did it deliberately. This is what Chloe says to Eli. He did it deliberately because Rush was an inconvenience. Now it seems like yeah. Chloe doesn't know the whole story. She doesn't know that Rush framed Young for murder. She thinks that Young tried to get rid of him just because he was inconvenient. It hasn't gotten out through the crew that that Rush framed him. I wonder if at some point that's going to happen. But it can't come out of Young's mouth because it's going to be like, well, that's convenient for you, isn't it? Someone's going to have to come to his defense like Eli. It's interesting. When you're thinking about character motivations, it's, it's interesting to think about who knows what at this point. Because Ray probably knows everything. But other people, civilians who participated in this, you know, Brody and Volker, uh, those guys, they, they probably think that Young deliberately left Rush behind on the planet, but they have no clue that he had this... You know, giant, giant uh, motivation to do so. That that Rush was was making this move on him. So at the end of the episode, Young basically sends everybody back to their quarters. He doesn't even try to make a speech. Don't you kind of expect a speech at this point? Where you're saying, you know, we've got to work together. We've got to yeah. bond together. I never should have left Rush behind. He doesn't say that at all. He doesn't mm-hmm. say anything. But he he basically tells Greer that they're done. They're not going to try any more tricks. Greer rightly says, no, we can't watch them all <laughs> if they go to yeah. their quarters. But you can't hold people at gunpoint for the rest of their travel on the ship. Yeah, well, they not only have the guns, but they have control of the computer systems, which is sort of what this was about. It was about the scientists grabbing control of the computer systems. The military has all the guns, so we're kind of at a stalemate. But now they've taken back control of the computer systems, so uh, Young is kind of holding all the cards again. And Rush makes a really great point, I think. Um, if if uh, you want to argue for the civilian side, you know, we don't have to live in a military dictatorship. This is sort of a society that we have now. This is not a military base. You and I have said on the podcast before that we wanted to get to the point where the crew was sort of settling in for the long haul. And that's what this felt like to me. It felt like by saying 
we're not uh, on a military base anymore. We want to live like a society. We want to have civilian leaders that the military answers to. That's that's really kind of settling in, isn't it? It's treating destiny like a little society. Or you can go with the Voyager approach where they maintain the fact that they were Starfleet officers and you know they worked along uh, inside the lines of a code of conduct, the Prime Directive, and you know, did what they had to do to survive, but, you know, they, they towed that line. There is no such prime directive with these people. It just depends on the circumstances that they that they uh, get involved with that'll determine their perspective on, on how to uh, answer a problem. Definitely like Divided. Definitely a, a strong follow-up to space. It's um it's one of those stories that, like you said, just kind of had to be told. But at the same time, it's it's not over. It's not. It's time for Quibbles. And some of this came up in the main discussion. So my first quibble is, if Colonel Young really does think that the aliens have a stone, then why does he think that Chloe can just grab one and use it and not be connected to an alien? Um, we covered that already. So I hinted at uh, the beginning of our discussion that I don't think Rush really has a stone. I, I don't think that his denial, uh, or his lack of a denial, was necessarily a a confession that, that he took the stone. And Young's idea was Rush was the first one in Air Part 1 who opened the box. Mm-hmm. So there, there was an extra one rattling around in there, and Young and Rush pocketed it. That's his theory. Um, I don't think that's the case, because that box is has this foam insulation lining, and you can, you can look up... I'll post some, some uh, links to some screen captures in the show notes. But you can see there are five little slots cut into the foam for five stones and then there's the little white light box and later on in the show after air part one i found a couple of screenshots one of them i think might be from air part three or something like that um you can see clearly in the screenshot that there are five stones in the Mm. little foam slots interesting so i don't think rush really has one so if that's the case how did the how the heck did the aliens get access to destiny through a stone i think that the aliens connected some other way they sure were surprised about it he the the one that connected to us was like uh what's going on i'm just gonna stand right here and wait for something to happen to me (laughs) it was like a major security breach for them because suddenly young is just wandering around their ship (laughs) i don't know how they did it i thought at first that maybe they had gotten on board destiny before and had acquired some ancient tech like that but now it seems like they've never been able to get on board Mm -hmm. the ship because of Destiny's automated defense system. So, I don't know, maybe some, some other place, some other planet, they've come across ancient tech and have, have ancient stones. I don't know. Or maybe it's just continuity gaff, and, and they decided, you know, they didn't know when they were shooting air that we need to leave room for one of these stones to, to be missing. Hmm. But then it's kind of clear that, you know, we've got five little foam slots, and one of them's empty all the time. Exactly. My last quibble is uh, about the uh, the stones going on the fritz and us losing Dr. Brightman. The explanation for this is it's probably caused by interference from interference. the alien fire on the ship. And that's, that's fine. That's cool. But remember, there was also a ticking clock, and we were down to a little over a minute before the ship went back into FTL. So the people in the operating bay should have known that when the ship jumped into FTL, there was going to be a, at least a temporary fritz anyway. I think Eli would have known that too. So relatively minor, but uh, there was a fritz coming one way or the other. That's what I want to say. You are listening to the Gateworld Podcast. Well, that's divided for this week. Thanks, guys, for your voicemail. 
Uh, if you want to get on the show next week, we're talking about faith, so watch it on Friday and give us a call on the podcast hotline, and you can join our conversation. So this week's listener question, of course, this week and every week, what did you think of this week's new episode, Faith? April 21st, that's on the docket for our podcast. April 28th, we'll be talking about human. That's the Rush episode, isn't it? That's the Rush with the special guest star I know a lot of people are looking forward to. Good deal. And then on May 5th, we're coming back around to Lost. Talk about, talking about Lost. Lost. And Lost a finishes Lost. that month, too. Lost, the episode of Stargate Universe, not yes. Lost, the TV show. Yeah, so. Lost is ending. Oh, it's so sad. We'll talk about that another time. Well, that's our show for this week. Thanks once again for tuning into the podcast. If you want to leave us some feedback, can be about faith, can be about uh, Divided, if you didn't get it into this week's show, or anything else Stargate-related, just give us a call on the podcast feedback hotline. That is area code 951-262-1647. Or you can email in a brief audio recording to webmaster at gateworld.net. You enjoy your teas, don't you? Well, I learned a long time ago when I started telling people what I did for, for fun for my Stargate fandom on the internet. I, I learned that I had to start pronouncing my teas because I told somebody that I have this fan site called GateWorld. They said gay world? What? Right, exactly. So I have to yeah. say gate world. Yeah, when I'm ever on the telephone. Not you know, that there's the, anything wrong with that. Not that <laughs> great show. Yeah, when I'm ever talking about the, the, the website on the telephone, the, the frequencies on the telephone are, are, I mean, it's really compressed. So I'm gate uh-huh, world. They soften, soften your T's. Yeah. And then I had a, a friend back home who, like, always emphasizes his T's. I'm like, you like that, don't you? He says, oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I took speech class in seminar, in seminary, and we had to learn to articulate in that sort of way. Like I was born in February. February. It's not eggs. It's eggs. Exactly. <laughs> oh, From Gate World, this is Darren. This is David, and we'll see you back here next week. Mm-hmm.